Welcome to Automation Advocates, a show where we will talk about automation, manufacturing, and meet some of the personalities that are involved in the industry and get their perspectives. We hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoy creating. Thanks, and here's the show. December 31st, 2022. Dramatic. Happy New Year's Eve. 7 p.m. 7.01. Happy New Year if you're in the Ukraine. Hope well, it's better this New year. New Zealand, Australia. Yeah, yeah, those guys too. <laughs> By the time I slip this out of the thing and upload it tonight and it publishes tomorrow, it'll be New Year's. So. Copy. You mm-hmm. win. You win. Well, thanks for coming over. Thanks for having me. Been a fun time. Fun year. Here's to many more. Mm-hmm. So we have a full year under the bucket. Under the belt. The belt. The in, the yeah. in the bucket. Are we a trap <laughs> in the, under the bucket? I don't, I don't know. Is this podcast just a rodent running around? Dun, dun, dun. Hit the stick and the bucket drops. It doesn't feel like it's been a year. It doesn't. I'm surprised. Probably because that website still needs to be formulated. <laughs> well, Sting. Sting. Was that, is that a resolution that we then uh, have to definitely. achieve now I'm for 2023? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. man. I mean, if you were to search automation advocates, you would find us. You know, through the Google search tool. On uh, just the web address will not be as direct as you think it should be, but we will rectify that in 2023. But for the first six months when Sarah was working on it, all we heard was. Nah, that was more like a cricket's drop, but that's okay. There you go. There you, go. <laughs> you can tell how edgy or punchy we are at seven o'clock and New Year's Eve if you're just pushing random buttons. No, they're not random. They're I not knew random. what it was. Oh, you did? I, I did okay. A, I did a Babe Ruth call out there. Come on. I liked it. I mm. liked it. I liked so it. So now that I'm focused on her for the last four months it's gotten about just as far but <laughs> january yeah, brings new things yeah. you could have done a reroute to the linkedin page at the very least yeah that's yeah we'll get there yeah. we'll get there hey, january's got, coming two days yeah <laughs> all right so look for our website in 2023 but for yes. now we ran into a you ran into a little uh oh man a little hard hitter but, i think it's a hard hitter I love the internets. It's a fun time. I love LinkedIn. And I love the intellectual playground that it brings to my phone. And uh, the one that got me this week, heated debate, intellectual property. And I uh, I don't remember who it was. but the, the, Not going to name names? Yeah, well, I mean, you could go search the search history and find it. Look for all my jibber-jabber, because I only commented about 30 times. Mm -hmm. But the premise was, I got a machine in my factory, and I had to swap out my brand X PLC for a brand Y PLC, because the brand X PLC was password protected. To which I would say, well, you don't have to change PLC brands just because it's protected, but you can. You can do whatever you you want. All the way to... Yeah, I guess you're not familiar with how to program the Alpha PLC brand. So that's Could've why been. it changed to Bravo. Yeah. Yeah. But then <laughs> it spurred the pile of comments saying, well, it should be illegal to, to lock that source code out. And that, that shouldn't even be possible. And oh my gosh. And, and, and <laughs> right. Legality. Yeah. And, and so <laughs> go I, look at the purchase order contract. You silly person. Yes. Well, it, and that's it. And, and I posed the question in there. I said, well, number one, was there anything special about this machine that maybe the end user shouldn't have access to? 
Yeah, if you have the source code, you can manipulate the size of the donuts. And you bought a specific four-inch donut making machine, and uh, I'm not going to sell you a machine that does all variations of donuts without you paying for it. Full stop. Correct. Because mm-hmm. that's right. the IP that we developed in our donut making machine. Correct. It can, you didn't know, Sarah, that my four-inch donut machine could make two-inch donuts. Hell, it can make donut holes and donuts. Right? That's not what I asked for. You didn't. You Correct. asked for four inch. 400 yep. four-inch donuts an hour from my machine. Or on the flip side, I tinker with said source code, and now instead of making 100 donuts a minute, I'm only making five donuts a minute, and I want to come after you because your machine, quote-unquote, doesn't slow. work. It's so slow. slow. No, I didn't touch it. What do you mean when the IT person asks you what changes you've and made? I paid for a three-year warranty, so you're coming out free, even if you have to fly three hours, two time zones, and have to drive an extra four hours from the airport. Yep. So you've been to Fresno. Yes. <laughs> I was thinking like northern Saskatchewan. <laughs> Same thing. It's it may as one's got snow and one doesn't. Good word. <laughs> oh, by the way, in order to get into the donut factory, it takes you a half hour. Mm-hmm. Right. Because mm-hmm. you you can't park up front with your tools. You gotta go in the uh, the employee door, and then you gotta suit up, and then you yes. gotta fill out the paperwork. Watch that sweet safety video. Mm-hmm. Sweet video. It's amazing. So, this is how glaze can burn your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're very, what is it? Caution, hot when they come out of the oven. Do not consume right away. Don't look directly into the flame. It, and, and I think too, like, and, and so I, in, in my personal life, right? Like we all have iPhones. Mm-hmm. Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, Apple doesn't give us a source code. No, they don't. And so I threw that out there. I'm like, hey, what about like commercial device? Like Ford doesn't give me the source code to my F-150. Yeah, call John Deere. Ask them how they're doing with the whole right to repair idea. Right. That's and my s- favorite one. I mean, your Ford and your Apple examples are spot on. But mm-hmm. the 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 uh, this has been a big deal with John Deere lately in that farmers are like, well, I can't repair my combine. And I'm like, well, yeah, because you don't actually drive your combine. We do. Correct. And you want it to be safe so it doesn't go off uh, off the field and into the ditch and hit the highway and run over, I don't know, a school bus. Wow, that would be terrible for everybody. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then the guy's going to go, well, I wasn't even in the tractor. The d- fuck John Deere did that. They, yeah. they, they murdered all them kids. Yeah, it's all John Deere's fault. Yeah, come on, man. You got to have boundaries, just like everything right. else in life. And admittedly, and this is going to come to a shock, I've written some shitty code in my career. Get out. I know. Light blinker. What do they like call you? it a rough first draft? RFD? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's first draft is shit. Yeah. I think yeah. Hemingway said that. Yeah. Well, well, and it's one of those things where usually when I got into trouble is when it was like trying to do something fast or something that's moving, right? So if the target's moving, if there's no spec and it's like, oh, I wanted it to do this. Cool. It does that. Oh, but what about these six other things? And then you're like midstream on those six other things. Yep. And they're like, oh, but we forgot these other three. Yeah. And they're completely in the other direction. Now you actually like, have to kill everything you started with. Yeah. And you're like, how do I U-turn and bubblegum this thing back together in a timely manner so yeah. I can still make money? And land the plane. And land the plane. So, I mean, there's that. Now, in a lot of those instances, that code's not locked down. Because there wasn't anything special, right? Like, and in that instance, you're a integrator contractor at best. Sure. You're not an OEM machine builder. Correct. And the instance that started this whole conversation was, 
from an OEM machine builder, they're delivering a product. Right. It is not a project. And even in projects, in my experience, it's somewhere around 50-50 that mm-hmm. you get to, as the uh, machine user who's paying the integrator to come in and integrate the machine into yeah. the production line, they may buy the IP associated with it yep. on the code. They may not. It, you have to read the user agreement and the purchase contract. Oh, just, Those exactly. are the two things that people, obviously in this uh, internet discussion, had no experience with. None. None. In, I, I guess, kind of coming back full circle to the you broke it thing, right? Like, I've been on an airplane a lot of times in my career to reboot machines or reload programs and it's always entertaining when you're like, hey, what's in here is not what's on my computer that came off of our server. Oh, yeah, we fixed some things. Cool. So I have to unfix all those things, right? And, and so I made this comment on the on the stream, too. I said, look, what happens if I'm the OEM, a la somebody that makes a, a bottling machine, right? These You've seen a bottler run. Mm-hmm. They're a machine gun. Mm-hmm. Like, it just, brrr, and all the mm-hmm. Coca-Cola you could possibly want to drink. Yep. Or other beverage name here. Sure, Bud Light Seltzers. Um, so <laughs> Liquid death. <laughs> right. There you go. And while we're hitting the trifecta, GT's Synergy Raw Kombucha. Yeah, we're all available for buying out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you, you mess this thing up, and all of a sudden, poof, it jams. Maybe you fix something, maybe not. But later, you know, five years from now, you say, I want to buy this. I want, I want the five-inch donut option. Mm-hmm. Cool. You call them up to go, hey, I want the five-inch donut option. The engineer goes, okay, I got the code. I'm going to tweak the thing. I'm going to send you out some tooling. I'm going to come out there. I'm going to hit upload, download, depending on the brand you're using. Poof, hit go. And all of a sudden, you're like, donuts. Right, five-inch donuts. Maybe four and five. Maybe it'll alternate. I don't know. But And so somebody's like, well, that engineer should have started with what was on the machine last. And I'm like, No. No, they shouldn't have. If somebody modified that machine during its lifetime, it's not up to the OEM to do that. Correct. Like, now I have to validate well, and it, Joe's only, code in St. Louis. Yeah, the like, only alternative to that is is if there is a post-sale agreement in terms of service, right? And that's kind of comes back to the John Deere argument. It's like, well, John Deere's basically said now, hey, man, we don't sell combines. We lease them. Mm-hmm. Sure. Agreed. No, I think they still do sell combines, but it's basically with a service contract and you can't buy it unless you get a service contract mm-hmm. back when you wanted to buy the Ferrari F40, they didn't sell you the car. They only leased you the car. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. For, for a long time. Huh? And it's basically to protect the source code of a, of a vehicle. that doesn't need to actually have a source code. It's not like there's a lot of, you know, in it was that the F40 was 96, 98. Sure. Not like we got a bunch of, you know, PCs in there, like we got uh, Tesla now. I would still think they had some sort of chip mechanism, though, control sure. and fuel But what you're really buying is a hand-built V12 in a... <laughs> yeah, you are. In a, in, yeah. a, in a bare-bones, you know, chassis, body combination. Right. And just holy yeah. S. No, but that's styling. part of that service agreement with the OEM, to your point, is then if you read through the service agreement or contract... It allows them to keep revision control and documentation mm-hmm. because not only is the OEM responsible for building the machine physically and then wiring it and then programming it, you're getting into the you know the world of safety and risk assessments. Totally. Which is dependent upon the function of the machine. So now right. if the end user's altering it, 
well, the OEM can be held liable. Correct. Right, depending on the country you're in and, and how those laws are changing. So to your point, Justin, the OEM should go back to the code they sent with the machine because that's what's on contract and paper when it was purchased and sold. Mm-hmm. And that becomes a whole liability and then intellectual property. Yeah. Um, it's something yeah. we've had to think about a lot at Foundry Casting Systems. Correct. Because we're selling a machine that generally gets to put into a market. Talk about an environment where things get modified for their use. Yes. Foundry. Yes. Really? Oh, yeah. Big time. It, you know, it's always, it wasn't invented here. Um, you know, we've done it this way. Well, we need to use your machine this way. And so that's how we've kind of set it up. It's like we're selling a tool. You use it however you want. And that's where we lock down the code, don't get me wrong, but the user interface enables a whole host of customization yes. and we offer automatic and manual control. Sure. Right? But then the the user agreement of the machine puts the onus on the user. Like, mm-hmm. hey, man, this is the machine. It's used in a dangerous environment. All liabilities on you. Correct. Have a nice day. Call us if you have a problem. Here's a two-year warranty for defective materials and our workmanship. But if they modify anything, well, good you, luck. And there's you pull that, that you pull that limit switch off. Like that's a really common, simple. Oh yeah, we can do this with a hammer and a screwdriver. We can modify this machine and void the warranty right there. Mm-hmm. Right, a limit switch, which is just for those of you at home, is just a, a fancy version of the light switch you use to go to bed at night. Yep. That's all it is. It just has a different tongle at the end of it. You it's know, got a little wheel and might a, have a wheel a spring. Might have a, a tail, a whisker. <laughs> but you allowed, and there's that line, and I think it's, it's starting to get blurry. The customization of the ability to control the machine that the customer has to work with you, the builder, to specify. Mm-hmm. But then the rest of it's locked down. Well, and that's like, where you have, as an OEM, correct. you seek out integrators yes. to add a layer of a plausible liability and ownership on somebody else. It's like how I organize the icons on my iPhone don't match how Justin puts on his or yours. But the environment in which they enable that. Is the same, mm-hmm. right? And the fact that they all text and call and FaceTime is the same. So how we operate them is the same, but how they look and feel. The case I have on mine, how I organize mine. But that's that's part of the end user needs to be intimate with their OEM, to your point, <coughs> so they can understand, as we have the barkathon going on right now here in the background. You don't need to bark. God forbid someone's outside. Um, what can I customize? I have to work with my OEM to get that, to yes. understand that, to document that. Yes. Agreed. And well, we got to all have blue bubbles. Yeah. Well, yeah, if only. I mean, what's interesting about what you just said, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on the one word that I also threw out in this, in this chat extravaganza, documentation. Correct. Right? So... And, and foresight as to the use of this equipment, right? So as you talked about your foundry casting systems, you say, hey, we have this data-rich environment where you can customize all of the different parameters that should meet just about anything that you yep. come up with. And I would even go out on a limb to say, if somebody calls you up and goes, hey, man, what if we had this one extra setting? Is, is there any chance we could hot rod that after the fact? Your guys might look at it and go, Huh, that's a good idea. Totally. How about we use you as a beta site? We're going to make the changes and then yep, we're doing we'll roll that month. forward across yep. the board. Yep, we're doing it next month. And so I think like there's that dialogue. Mm-hmm. And, and if you set it up and you understand what could be and should be variable, 
it you you shouldn't need access to that sort of stuff. No, right? and then, no. and then having an open relationship with like that actually enables you to develop your product, which is great. You know, and you just you know you, you just be fair with people, and you don't need mm-hmm. to really reward them with a royalty in any regard. But you got to acknowledge sure. them and thank them, and you know you know do what they ask you to do and deliver. And God forbid the manual is there, or online yeah. help tools yeah. or whatever yeah. else, right? Like. Yeah. Yep, I mean, we have a guy that it's, it's his whole job is just to do installation and interfacing integration. So, I mean, it's, right. it's obvious it's something that we knew was going to be a thing. And we went and got somebody that had experience yeah. in foundries and making custom machines. And, you know, somebody that can think on his feet and make decisions to ultimately deliver customer satisfaction. Because if we don't have that, we don't get sale, you know, no. the next sale. Right. We're sitting here right. just babysitting an old one. Well, who wants to do that? Nobody. And that's another reason why you have boundaries around your code and you lock code down is because mm-hmm. you don't want to sit there and take that darn phone call from Captain MacGyver. <laughs> <laughs> With his bubble gum and duct tape. Yeah. He's like, hey, man, I figured out your password was 00144. Like, no, it isn't. Right. No, it isn't. Or my favorite one, it's like... We read the manual. I, of the I think DLC the code changed itself. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> You, the, the, if I had Gremlins, a, if I, I had a dollar for every time yeah. somebody called to say itself? the code must have changed itself, uh-huh. dude, we wouldn't be here right that, now. They got that new, uh, that new. Uh, this is ten years ago when you're doing this, right? <laughs> so they had that. What's that new AI f- thing that's yeah. writing code now? What's that? Chat GPT. Yeah. Chat oh, GPT. I saw that the other day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it writing code? Is this? Uh, maybe we'll come back structured to that. Structured deal. Do structured text. Sure. Yeah. Sure. You can ask it all the questions. Yeah, now your first draft doesn't suck anymore. <laughs> Welcome to the future. I wonder if it can do our website. Well, and the, fu- well, the funny thing is, depending on the questions you ask, I have to ask myself, I'm like, ooh, can I borrow these answers? Because these are well written. Yeah, moving on. Um, Until it's wrong. Have you seen the the wrong answers it spits out? Oh, yeah, they're like, it's Glorious. terrible. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, it'll walk through. There, there was a math problem somebody brought up the other day on there. And it like it walked through the logic, and it had like all of these proof points, and it was off. Like instead of subtracting, it added. And I'm thinking, yeah, but it did uh, write a shitty story. Oh, in, it wrote a in great the, in, story in the, in the in the in the Shakespearean dialect from a 1940s mobster on public radio the other day. Sure, on the fly about a frog falling in love. You know, like hilarious. It, and I would say the the text that it wrote to support the mathematical problem it was solving was about as believable as all the scientific papers we've seen in the last five years written. I like how much email it kills. Man, I need to clean out my email. That's what I was supposed to do this weekend. I didn't get there. Um, Website's more important. It's way more important. So anyway, code not changing itself. Gremlins well, in the machine. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 you know, you didn't write it. It's their intellectual property. That Full stop, you know. So, yeah, of course, there's going to be a boundary on it. Of course, there's going to be a password on it. And you know what? I bet they'd sell it to you, but I bet you don't pay for it. I bet you don't. If you gave, if they gave you a number, mm-hmm. I, I know what I would charge. Right. It'd it's got a couple X. extra commas. It'd be 4X yes. the machine cost. Yes. Yeah. Because I know I'd have to basically dedicate an engineer mm-hmm. at least 20 hours a month for the first six months. And that's lost revenue. So, yeah, you're going to pay me for four machines, mm-hmm. and you got one. Have mm-hmm. a nice day. Yep. So then the other argument that somebody brought up is, how do I troubleshoot it if I don't have the PLC code? 
How do you troubleshoot it? If it's a good manual, it's written in the back. They just say, here's how to troubleshoot it. Your fault codes. Buy fault codes. Contract. Maybe some light bulbs on the HMI, maybe, right? Like, maybe get a maybe get a, uh, a training class. Well, how to operate the machine. I was going to say, well, and to your point, then, then I, I, I love that statement. Well, how do I troubleshoot it? Well, what are you troubleshooting? Yeah. Like, it's such a blanket statement. But to your point, you're like, well, does it, are you? Did, did you lose power to the facility? The donuts are three and a quarter you, inches. You, I wanted four. Did you not put batter in? Like you have to, I, I just, I, that always made me laugh when I would have customers. Well, how do I troubleshoot it? Well, what are you thinking you're going to be right. troubleshooting? <laughs> like help me understand. These hypotheticals it, are too general. Yeah. It, you're like, it's it great. It done run. Oh, I done hit run. the green button and it done run. Yeah. And there's, <laughs> apparently, right? ju- apparently Justin had some nightmares in Louisiana. Dude. You. So I was, I won't name the name. I was in a factory in Tennessee one time, uh, and we were uh, setting up a robot to do depalletizing mm-hmm. at really fast speeds in order to load a truck. So we were going from done product, depal, conveyor right into the back of a truck. Okay. And so I'm sitting there hammering away, and on the Fanuc robots, you have a teach pennant, right? Yep. Boy. You don't need to be playing Game Boy all day over here. Some of us got to make these things. I almost let the product out of the bag there. And uh, I'm like, cool. I'm That's what I'm doing. Like, I'm getting ready so you don't ever have to touch this box again. Game Boy. Yeah, Game Boy. And then, uh, so with- as we were discharging the, it was on flat, like, plywood sheets, right? That's what they stack these things on. And it would discharge onto a roller conveyor. Just gravity skate. Sure. So then Steve could pick it up with his yep. bare hands or forklift. I don't care how he picked it up. Yep. And so I had the conveyor, and all I needed them to do was make, like, these 16-inch standoffs. Like, literally a plate with a tube and a plate. Yep. Looks like a giant dumbbell. Sorry. For those of you who Kinda. can't see his hands waving yeah. about in the background it's a pedestal. here. Just a yeah. riser pedestal. Like, yeah. And I'll give you a guess how long until from when I asked with a picture... What I asked for, how long it took him to build me that? Oh, three days? About three days. Plus or minus. And about halfway through day one, I was like, hey, uh, where are you at with that thing? Here was the response. I got to get my like my chew dip kind of cheek going on here. It was, uh, boy, what's your damn hurry? Dude, that's why I didn't take that job in Texas. They told me <laughs> I, I talk too fast and I walk too quick. Yes! Yeah. I was told I talk too uh, fast. Oh, like, yeah. It's because we're from a land where it doesn't get so damn hot and sticky, man. We, <laughs> all the time. Like, well, and they're, they're slow because it's hot. Like they're, well, they're already sweating, man. Well, and here we have to be quick. What is it? Our face will freeze off and fall off if we're outside for too long. You have to be quick. It's yeah, true. I've had the same thing. I used to do... Uh, Support for motor control centers, and a gentleman called and said, "Man, this bucket—I can't get it turn on. Can't get it turn on." Well, I had him open the door and send me a picture. Well, uh, someone came around a corner too fast with a forklift and punctured the circuit breaker, like the door in the circuit breaker. Replaced the door, but didn't tell anybody. 
And so the next shift comes on and they're trying to activate this, this bucket, this unit, and they're calling and screaming and yelling and it's not working. And then they open the door and realize it's been punctured by a forklift tie. How is it not on fire? So many questions, so many questions. But to your point, like, I just what I, a shot! Like that's amazing. That yeah, how nobody died is is awesome. But yeah, I just love the how am I going to troubleshoot? You're like, well, again, what do you think you're going to be troubleshooting that right. you wouldn't have through fault codes or user manual or knowing the machine and how it's going to be used? Tech support training, right? There's usually somebody on the other line. And, um, I mean, the there's it's a dance, right? I mean. You, you go and buy a piece of equipment, you're spending a minimum, sure, I'm sure they're cheaper than this, but you're, you're spending a six-figure greater amount, Yep. you know, and then you talk about the time of investment and the interest and all that, and you know, it, it's, it's, it's always, you know, the training of the people, um, but you do it because you know that machine has demonstrated value for other people, and you want it to demonstrate value for you, and... And so the, you know, the ownership of the, of the customer, you know, you have to define rules. It's just like any other relationship. And then the OEM has to step up and have a complete, you know, offering to the market. That's the training, the manual, the after sales support and, mm-hmm. and build the damn good product that you can support. And you can't support a product that is boundless. Yeah. There's no way. Uh-uh. So no way. I'm going to dangle another one out there because this actually happened in the last year to one of my customers. Uh-huh. They called up and go, man, your stuff doesn't offer good diagnostics. It was in regards to a servo platform, sure. right? And I said, actually, I would beg to differ. You get like 500 and some odd parameters back and forth every two milliseconds or faster. And the book is 600 pages thick. Like, I, I think there's diagnostics in there. Yeah, we don't get any of them on the HMI. And I said, well... That's an OEM problem or an integrator Correct. problem, not a product problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but How'd they get all the way up to you? Oh, I get all the turd sandwiches on a good day. Well, that's not, that's <laughs> really not the kindest way to put it. <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, when people say, hey, what do you do? I'm like, well, I either get to be the hero or the villain, right? Sure. And but in I mean, that like, instance, I was a little bit of is, both. It sounded like you got somebody that's owning a piece of equipment with your guys' gear in it. And they it's got a big, all a big customer. Oh, got it. Call it top. Got it. Top fifty globally, sure. kind of a thing. Got it, got it. Blue and uh, yeah, yeah. But but it made me think about. So what was his response when you? I'm assuming it was a dude. It was absolutely a dude in this and instance. So, so what did the dude say? Had he read any of those six hundred pages? Well, I think he did, but he was confused as to why they didn't just show up on the screen. So he didn't understand why the the, well, where I talked the boundaries him through it. are. Well, like who owns what? I I think what happened. It's like getting upset that. The air in your F-150 six months after buying it isn't the right air. Like, no, dude, we're telling you how much air. You still got to put air in the right. compressor and, and, and then into your tire. I, I think what happened in this instance was procurement got involved. Oh, our favorites. Right. So Charlie's face palming. Uh, yeah. Sarah's <laughs> eyes are fluttering and rolling Ooh. at the same time. You all have value. Talent. I'm sure you do. It's a talent. Just, I don't think you have enough time to understand what you do. Well, it, it, and that's just it, right? So engineering says, I need a machine that can put cupcakes in a box. No, four-inch donuts. Four-inch donuts. Man. Yep. It's the metaphor that. that keeps yeah. going. So I, I need to put donuts cake. Don't get upset. in a box. I do love a good donut. He does. Hans is in the future, isn't oh, it? Oh, man. That's tomorrow morning, maybe. Um. So Walk there. You, I should. 
That's a good idea. And then I get to check off a Garmin badge. Uh, so the Girl Scout procurement gets involved and they say, hey, we need to put, you know, 400 of these donuts an hour into boxes. Mm-hmm. I need a boxer machine. Uh-huh. This is going to be probably a cartoner. Sure. Yeah, let's move down the line a little bit. Yeah. So we're going to take the cartoner. I need, I need 400 a minute, 400 an hour. And so they're going to go out and quote, get three quotes, right? So maybe... Maybe the the engineer has been working with Company A. Yep. For six months, coming up with this man, I got my perfect line. Yep. All the expectations are set, and they go, "Yeah, we got you." Mm-hmm. Procurement gets involved, and they're gonna go with that lowest bidder, Always. unless there's really good documentation unless, and reasons not to. The alpha cu- customer did their job and hard specced their Correct. special boxer maxer. Sure. Well, by the way, this boxer. It puts donut rods, so when you put the 400 donuts in there... They don't get smushed. They don't get smushed. They stay in place. And they're, right. the, only, they're the only boxer that does donut rods. So Bingo. Bingo. Now, in defense of procurement... Oh! <laughs> you, know, you don't owe them a favor right I now. I don't have a good button for that <laughs> noise, because, man, that's that, got I some, wanted to uh, see the look on your faces. It was, it was pretty funny. Um... <laughs> You're talking even... to nearly career-long salespeople here. So. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Now, I have a different background than than both of you. Um, thankfully, thankfully, <laughs> that's why I'm here. Got to keep it real. Yes, they have to get multiple quotes, and here's what I found. Like you said, when working with procurement to work with them, I think and it's not really a... an issue about relationship between procurement and engineering. Talk about a boundaries problem, that, and exactly. that's generally not, that's why we're face palming ourselves. You no, know, but that's why I'm in agreement with you. Is because procurement's metrics are different from engineering's metrics. Totally, procurement has metrics. Right? Think about. They have to do three quotes because they have to make sure they're not being unethical and who they're selecting. Totally. Yeah, right? donut rods are an extra hundred grand, man. Right, and they're going to look at that, and they have metrics to do all the lean, and they have to do all the cost savings, and so their metrics are separate from the engineer's metrics. Correct. And what the engineer has to produce. Sure. And but if lo- you tie them both to profitability and you give the ultimate authority to one party or the other, and the other party understands that. Generally, you can navigate anything. Correct. And that's where I've had success is at procurement. How many engineers, and I'm going to pick an engineer because I am one, so I can, have taken the time to bring procurement to the floor to show them what they're doing and what these things mean. Because Absolutely. procurement just sees machine A, machine B, machine C. And spreadsheets. And three different pieces in three different parts. And they all go the same speed. And, and so from their point of view, it's just a dollar's number. But now if you bring them down and show them, well, this machine... Puts donut rods in there. And this machine doesn't. And then now we have costs down the line when my donuts are smashed and customers aren't happy. So mm-hmm. like, to your point, I worked with enough procurement that, but that's a whole nother conversation. It's on, part of the sales process. You got to satisfy really both customers. You have to, yep, get procurement in on it. And you know, the job as a salesperson is basically be the child between divorced, divorced parents. Yes. And get every Christmas both day. ways. Every day. But back to Justin's example... Yes, a lot of products have a lot of parameters in them, and I've seen and worked with OEMs that have done their best to reduce the information on the screen on the HMI, thinking they're helping the end users or hoping to help the end users to give them actionable data. And we've had this conversations in past episodes. Man, if I have, what, four servo drives with 500 parameters each and every fault code flashes on that screen, I could be flipping through pages in an HMI screen of just yellow screaming red screaming messages that yeah, doesn't yeah, yeah, tell me yeah, how to yeah. operate the machine so yeah. 
That's where I think you were commenting, Justin, you mean the hero and the villain is the data's there. How do you want to see it and what are you going to do with it? See, yes. I brought it back full circle. Well, right there. And, and I wonder, tag. like, if I'm going to go buy a vehicle, I'm going to go test drive it. Of course you. Sure. Don't need to test drive it. Just drive it. Now, my I'm going to put my procurement hat on here. Really? Yeah. This is flat spec, man. Does Porsche make a four-door? Yeah, they do. Great. So I need a four-door vehicle. Yeah. I like how you didn't know. <laughs> Isn't he cute? Would you buy a four-door Porsche? Sure. The Taycan would be great. All right. Yeah. So I need a four-door vehicle yeah. to, uh, to get me to and from... I don't know, somewhere, anywhere, right? I just need, I need a vehicle. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go test drive that. Mm-hmm. And, and I wonder, is there a, is there room to test drive equipment in the same way? And and the reason I throw that out there is. There is with foundry casting systems. We've got a t- machine on a trailer. We'll bring it to your foundry. You can try it at well all you played. want. I love how that <laughs> is was. Is it behind a red F-150? It is. And you know what? <laughs> It's a great truck. It's a great truck. It gets us there every time. Thank you very much. And uh, golly, I can't wait to buy it. Right? But so that's just it. You can test drive it. Yes. If you're a good OEM, you have to afford your customer. To your point, you have to afford your customer the opportunity to, you know, walk into the water and it be warm. So now... We got to bring procurement along on the journey mm-hmm. all day, and I would argue, you know, depending on the value in which your your donut machine makes or a foundry casting systems APC makes, is you should probably have a financial team involved too. I just gonna say, yep, yep, because you need to have all three phases of the company. Yes, um, and you know, if, if we're going back to our donut uh, illustration, sales should probably be involved too. Like, hey man, this is why our machine is kick ass. Mm-hmm. We got these donut rods in here. These donuts will not slide around and get smashed. And, right. and it will show up. And that means the salesperson gets to do less post-sale work. Exactly. And so what does that person do? That enables them to do more growth and development. So winner, winner, banana pepper dinner. Thank I would you. agree. Yeah. No, you, you need finance. Nobody likes a surprise CFO ever. Correct. Ever. Correct. <laughs> Speaking of banana peppers, that pizza we had, really that was good. heavier than I expected it to be. Dude, that was thicker than your thighs. I know. <laughs> I should have only had two pieces, not four. Go for a walk after this. <laughs> I'm seeing a common theme here. Dude, just don't dress like your neighbor. He was all in black. It was like a black, uh, like, swishy top coat. Oh. And a black dog, a little one. Sounds like a bad idea. And he was walking at a non-pedestrian sidewalk. At dark. And I'm like, come on, man. Don't ruin my new year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he saw, I was signaling, so he knew what I was doing. But I was like, come on. A little something reflective, please, sir. Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Talk about OEM specifications. Right. Let's just make that a standard. <laughs> yeah. A little 3M uh, reflective light tape in every jacket, please. Right. Every dark jacket at the very least. And they even make them for dog collars and dog leashes so you can see them too. Yeah. Or shoes. Mm-hmm. It's pretty prevalent on shoes. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Good. Cycling shoes too. I think my road shoes have it like Anything baked into the heel. Has, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got those cool you know, cycling jean pants. They uh, they roll up, and all of a sudden there's a reflective tape on the inside oh. seam. Mm-hmm. Like, Whoa, I didn't know chrome. that. Yeah, get some chrome pantalones. All right, it's azul. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, along the IP angle, uh huh. I think there's. I I guess if if we covered the I'm gonna call it. 
the code portion. I mean, I think we've made the point. It's it's a boundary piece. It's about, you know, the total cost of ownership for mm-hmm. both the customer and the OEM. And you have to be cognizant of that. And I'm willing to bet the person that you're you're having this on LinkedIn conversation with isn't either of those people. He works, that person probably works for the the person who made the buy decision. Mm-hmm. And I bet the person who made the buy decision understands that they didn't buy access to the code. Maybe, or, maybe not. Or it's 10 years later and they just inherited a turd that they can't make work. Correct. Totally. It, it, then go get an integrator. Right. Give me a call. I can go a few. Or I think, right? <laughs> Rhymes with. Um, Automation. Okay. Well, I think it too. It just, or there's an assumption, misconceived, that they must have the source code in order to troubleshoot. I think that yeah, that's just a customer information issue. That's just somebody, that's what I'm trying to say. I, I think that's I, I, but I, mean, I don't know this person we're referring to, and I don't need to. But it's that's fine. just lazy, you well, know. Like, come on, you know, open a manual, friend. Like, correct. They, why do the people write manuals so you don't have to call them at two in the morning? Yes. Nobody wants to make that call or take that call, but they'll do it. No, but I just think it's interesting is that we know we're not going to get the source code to say our cars now or our phones, and we accept that. Because how many of us actually read the little agreement when the new iOS system pops up? Yeah, but I think to this guy, this mysterious dude's point, he's in a B2B scenario. And yes. we're making B2C you yeah. know, comparisons. And in a yeah. B2B scenario, it's like, dude, you've got to understand the boundaries of this transaction. Yeah. Right? There's, there's <clears throat> definitely a line of when it's yours and when it's no longer theirs. Correct. And what you got to buy and what you didn't get to buy. Mm-hmm. Like, or inherit. Correct. <laughs> Do you remember the Google TV? Yeah, I had one. The the keyboard? Yeah, the remote. And it was uh it was a Sony co opt. Yeah, and That's then the one I had. It was like, like I 30, had one four thirty two, whatever. Oh, first you had TV like a TV TV. First flat panel TV I bought was oh. a Sony Google TV with a QWERTY keyboard remote. Yeah. That looked like a grossly overdeveloped PlayStation remote with a hmm. QWERTY keyboard in it. So, it had a mouse, trackpad, thumb mouse. I had got a device from, I think it was Logitech. That mm-hmm. was the Google TV. Yeah, I remember. It was a third-party mm-hmm. device. Yep. And it was just the keyboard, and it yep. plugged in like a stick, right? Yep. So you plugged it in. And it had trackpad on the right. Yep. Yep. And it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Right up until about nine months later, they're like, yeah, yeah. we're they not going to do this it. thing anymore. Yep. And I'm yep. like, oh, now what do I do with my Google TV? Yeah. Boat anchor. No one gave me the source code to that. B2C, though. You shouldn't expect it. I think this guy had a $50,000, $150,000 machine. And mm-hmm. so he thinks, you know, bam, I looked up on the internet. These things cost $150,000. $150,000. You should be able to tinker with that code there. Yep. Sure. No, sir. No, <laughs> yeah. sir. And just changing out to PLC would tell one that's not password protected will solve all your problems. And if you're that good... You're that good? Like, think about it. Think about what you're doing there. You're ripping the head of the brain. Out of the machine. Out of the machine. Putting a new one in. Oh, nope, I got this. Put my own brain in. (laughs) I know how this machine should work. And you know what? I got a free Tuesday. I'm going to fire this thing up. No problem. Boom. Works first try. (laughs) Said no one ever in the history of ever. (laughs) 
exactly. Like, do you, these guys have been So in you've business. been on my installs before. And, and, and by the way, the company that you just referred to that made the machine, they've been in business for 10 years. Oh, let's just call them a startup. They've been in business for five years. And, oh, <laughs> they, they, they wrote that code in, like, I don't know, a lunch period? And then they went and played golf. Yeah, it's just that easy. Well, and it's like, has any software program ever worked the first time? And if it ever has, you always have to ask yourself, what did I do wrong that it worked? Because you never expect it to the yeah. first time out of the box, yeah. ever. I got a cousin-in-law <laughs> who does elevator repairs. Mm-hmm. Right? And he's like on that cutoff. He's our age. right? Maybe, a, maybe a three years older. It doesn't matter. He's in his 40s. And so the right, why that's relevant is because elevator control mm-hmm. has changed vastly. Vastly, yes. In the last 15 to 20 years. Yes. But if you were working prior to that, if you were working in mm-hmm. 2000 or 2003, mm-hmm. right, you came in with relay logic. Yes. So my cousin-in-law, one of the kindest, smartest people I know, but he just knows what he's good at. He's like, dude, I ain't good at that PLC stuff. But you give me a pile of relays, I'll make that elevator go any way you want. Yeah. my. And my so he literally will yeah. rip the brain out and then he'll just be like, Boop! He'll put in 74 relays and he's like, yep, works every time. Yeah. <laughs> my, my dad, it's, it's true though. It's so true. It might take me all day, but it works. I don't have to come back. I'm done. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> no. Funny enough, my dad's best friend, same thing, elevator controls. Mm-hmm. 40 years in the industry. Yeah. And said the same thing. Back yep. in my day, we just did this all relay. Yep. Why you need all them blanking lights? <sighs> <laughs> them Game Boy controller. <laughs> I think there's Make some them. liability issues on a Relay Logic elevator, but you know what? Probably grandfathered in somewhere. Uh, I'm not sure about that on elevators. You ever, um, read, you ever gone to the top of the Hancock Tower in, in mm-hmm. Chicago? Mm-hmm. You remember that rattly Relay Logic? I'm sure it's Otis upgraded or K and whatever their names are. Yep. Krauss. Something I did get to ride the, uh, but it shakes. Side oh yes, side. it does. Oh really? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like it's like apparently we don't have any dampeners on the sides here. No. We're just we're yanking a box up a, a concrete shaft, and if it bounces or it gets a little breezy in that shaft, well, hold on to your lunch. Aren't you proud of me? I rode the elevator up. Did you eat the up top. there? No, we had like a class field trip or like a oh. field trip. And yeah, I took the wife to uh, the, the Easter brunch that year we lived there. Nice. Huh. Yeah, you know, something like fun. But yeah. So the one in the new One World Trade Center. Oh, yeah. Does not clank. Oh, definitely not. No. That thing rides Dude, on rails. That thing is a butter. I wonder if it's pneumatic. It's got to be, no. right? Can you pneumatically seal a shaft and then shove that thing up and down? It's not on a pneumatic. Cable? No. No. That would be cool if you could. Although... So, pneumatic with 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 steel cable uh, redundancy. How about that? Can we make no. that happen? No. And we just shoot it really fast. Better. You actually can't make them go too fast. They've had to slow elevators down because if they go too fast, people can get dizzy, orientated, and sick. Yeah. What are they doing over in the Middle East? Aren't they doing like sixty-eight miles an hour though? I don't know. And they don't have to go up and down only anymore. Uh huh. What do you mean? Well, you got the Luxar elevators. Those go at a diagonal, right? Is that what you're referring to? No. So, um, Anarad, our linear motor company out east, mm-hmm. we've Name got. Dropper. I'm just saying. I mean, so the, I, I, see, yes, 
best linear motors in the world. I was um, gonna say, I'm like, I feel like you need to. <laughs> so says you. Yeah. So, so as part of the, we're taking linear motor sponsorships now from anyone. Right, yeah. anyone. Anyone. If you got magnets and coils, you're in. And I, I, I know oh, a rotary few things about. Too. I know a yeah. few things about motors. I'll argue Justin's ear off on your behalf. You just call me up. Sure. Yeah. So, <laughs> we own some patents around moving the magnet and leaving the coils stationary. Interesting. Yes. It's pretty cool. It's basically like turning a motor inside out. Yeah. And so. When you look at a traditional elevator system at the first floor, right? Big buildings. We're not talking little six-story dinky dinks. We're talking 40, 80-story yeah. type stuff. Yeah. The bottom of the building has more elevator space than the top, right? So the farther up you get, the more real estate you get because you don't need the elevators to go back and forth. Okay, yeah. And you can only have one... Like you have seven elevators and one and, and two right. only go to the first 40 floors? Correct. Bingo. Yeah, Correct. they'll do different bays. Yeah. So the, the bottom floors of your building are consumed by extra elevator bank space. Totally, yep. And you can only have one cart in the tube at a time. And so we got a phone call one day from a elevator company, and, and I'll, I'll find the video and link it in the chat because it it's actually so you got on YouTube multiple now. multiple cars in the tube, and you're jacking over to other doorways? Multiple cars in the tube, and now you can move them sideways. So think about the morning when oh, you get totally. to the yeah. Hancock yeah, Tower. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everyone's going up. Yeah, 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 no yeah. one's going down. Correct. So what if instead of having to wait for that thing to come all the way back down, what if you just shuttled another one over? And sent another one up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and now yeah. you got six, eight, ten in the same tube. Totally. Now you can take that real estate and all the the shitty space you wasted and go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tighten yeah. it up, man. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Super rad. Neat. Um, and then you can move the elevator side to side too. That was the other part of this, right? So oh, that was understood. Basically, they call us and they're like, "Hey, so if we do this, you guys cool with that?" I'm like, "Yeah, we're not in the elevator business. Good luck." But it was cool. Good Super luck. Cool. I'd be like, yeah, we're happy to be in the elevator business. What can I do to thank well, you? Well, it goes back to that source code. Elevator business is pretty <laughs> solid opportunity, bro, especially for patented motor tech. So I'm not, yeah. I yeah. mean, because, I mean, who are you up against? Dumb motor tech? I mean, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean. <laughs> and I don't know if there was some sort of royalty thing struck up or, like, it, it was now was no longer I didn't know you made desk. those Anorad motors that big. Oh, sure. Wow. So in in our facility in Devons, which is just outside of Boston, we uh, we make big ones that can move munitions up and down, like big big it's ones. Always the bombs. You need to move some mini- minivans up and down. We can do that. Copy. Yeah. Or elevator shafts mm-hmm. or cars. Excuse me. Correct. Correct. So yeah. Anyway. So uh, did they buy? There's no source code on a motor. Not on the motor, but mm-hmm. there's on the patents that... on the application of it. Mm-hmm. In an elevator? Mm-hmm. Well, it was broad, so it was kind of applying to just about anything. So did you get a royalty on that, you think, then? I don't know if our team decided to do that or not. I suspect we do a fair amount of business with said elevator company. Mm-hmm. So we might have just given them a handshake. I don't know. And the, Out of my uh, wheelhouse. The aftermarket business has got to be bananas. <laughs> I don't know. Right up until your cousin-in-law shows up with his relays and goes, <laughs> I ain't never seen nothing like this one. I don't work on sideways elevators. <laughs> and then here's his wrench. just. 
He right does to the have a really great, he has a great accent, and I'm not even getting close. Yeah, yeah. And my favorite thing about him is is I hadn't seen him in a couple of years, and we were out in Maryland where he lives, and and I was like, hey man, you still you still go crabbing? He's like, you want to go crabbing? I'm like, I've never been. But I always want to go crabbing. He's like, let's go. And I just looked at my wife, and I was like, I guess I'm going crabbing. <laughs> I, I hadn't even shut the door on the vehicle. What's crabbing? He's got just a little, you know, basically a, a big version of John Boat, and. Uh, he he threw me so in his crabs, truck. Living like in the cages. Truck. I'm in yeah, I'm, yeah. In, I'm in Maryland, and he throws me in his truck, and we roll down the road. And we stop at this place. I'm like, what's this? Like, we gotta get some bait. Yep. And I'm like, all right. We walk in, and what's what's bait? A gallon Ziploc of chicken necks frozen. They, yes, frozen chicken necks. Frozen chicken necks. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. So then throw a couple on each pod. So then yep. yeah, he puts me he puts me in the front of his John boat. And, and and I expect him to do this, right? Like, not give me any training, right? And no, no, I don't get to see any oh, source code. Oh, you didn't code. have a safety video? No, none. none. Did you at least have a life jacket on? Well, I, I don't even I swim two miles. I don't care about a life jacket. <laughs> it's Chesapeake Bay. We're not talking about the Pacific, you know? You can see both sides of it. Like, what are you worried about? So he puts me in the John boat, and we start putzing out along his line, and he's like, all right. You put the chicken neck in the cage underneath the little clamp there. I'm like, all right. Yep. So I do that. And I drop in. And then we go out and we turn around the osprey uh, buoy. There's an osprey nest on top. Yeah, oh, cool. Amazing. And uh, we start coming back. And we start. And he's like, all right. Now I'll start pulling in that cord. So I pull in the cord. And on the end of the cord is the, are the traps. right? Yeah. And then I got to pull the crab. This is why he doesn't train you. It's for this very moment right here. Just, I can only imagine. You have to pull the crab out of the trap. And I'm an idiot, right? I don't you know. You open what I'm the doing. door and you shake the crate. Yeah, but but then you got to measure the crab and make sure it meets the fishing Correct. license spec, which is like a it's like a, oh. a, a rock and horns you know yes. shaped thing, and it has to sit between there. And so I reach in, and there's more than one in one of the traps. And next thing you know, he's laughing his ass off about falling on the boat because I've got a <laughs> crab around my index finger. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, yeah, this is hilarious. I know you're laughing at me, and that's great. So I if it care. fits, you throw it in the bucket. Yeah, you and if it's keep not, it. you, you pitch throw it. You it in the water. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then we go. We come home. With, I mean, it was a hoot. We're out there for like ninety minutes. We come home with a bushel of crabs. Really? Oh yeah. And like, and it, and it didn't phase his mom and dad, my wife's aunt and uncle, because they're the greatest people in the whole world. And and my kid was, you know, like four at the time or whatever, the oldest one. And they have a pool and they're just having a ball. And so we show up and Uncle Steve, you know. Because he knows we're coming back with crab, because that's what you do when you go crabbing. He's got the whole kit, you know, propane, outdoor burner, and the crab know, boil. The, the, uh, the 50 foot gallon mm-hmm. tall, you know, you only need pot it for crab. Pot, yeah. of, pot of doom. Nice job. And then, it's uh, like, what's the bo- the thing for the turkeys in there? And then my kid yeah. got to see yeah. how food comes to from, you know, from farm to table. <laughs> <laughs> it's organic and shit right there. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, what, what, did, what did you see you had? Uh, and then, and then the, you know, yeah. and then the last part was the cherry on top of Florida's not like giving you any you know, information. His wife showed up and his, their family's all there. So then I'm sitting there. We've got the, they've got the picnic table cost stuff. And I just take the mallet and I smash it. And I'm like, dude, like. Now you got to pick out all the little bones. Like, <laughs> just get a little gentle. Yeah, just uh, gentle. But they're laughing their tail off the whole time. I'm having a ball. You know, I'm just being the dumb oh, kid from that's awesome. Minnesota. Oh, yeah. You guys it's have up. not been to a crab oil before. All right. Oh, so it's delicious. We don't have that here. But once I figured that out, man, I mean, you had to eat all that crab, and it was so good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, God forbid. Plus, you'd caught it. I mean, right. I need to tell you. I mean, yeah. You understand that. Yeah. What is yeah. it? Organic venison? Was that the latest? Pig. Yeah. Harvest. Pig. Yeah. 
Harvest organic pig. boar. The most the... grass-fed organic boar you'll ever get. It's true. It was they delicious. Probably ate some delicious. truffles. Hey, well, I had some. It was great. I know. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if we've talked since you uh, you had your overseas adventure. What, from Europe? Yeah. yeah we mm-hmm. talked about Europe. Did, Did we? we? We talked about your travel to Europe. Um, we got kind of a highlight reel, but I we didn't go. I think we talked prior. What do you want to know? I don't know. Oh, I went to two soccer matches, and I went to SPS, and SPS was a hootie. Thought we talked about it. Are I think, about yeah, he you're did. right. Check the show notes on our website. Yeah, he did because like he skipped a building <laughs> and he went to another building and no pressure. <laughs> this just got pushed out to March. <laughs> oh, it's been a fun year. Thank you for everybody that's listened. I hope you stick around for the next year. Yeah, get your yeah. T-shirt if yeah. you do. Right, we're, we're still in. Oh, totally. We're still in, yeah. Stickers. Send, totally. send some fan mail. Yeah, we'll AutomationAdvocates at gmail.com. We'll send stickers. That's a great idea. Show ideas, topics, send us to them. Request dedications, interviews. Interviews, yes. Yeah, we got the Bluetooth we can rig up. We got video right here. Then, fantastic. Yeah, we're all set. Fantastic. Well, thanks, folks. Been a great year. Thank you all. Happy New Wonderful Year. Wonderful year. Happy New Year. Yeah. And we'll talk to you guys later. Death to Putin. <laughs> <laughs> Your favorite. And that's a wrap for today. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed your time with us, please like and subscribe. Keep the letters coming to automationadvocates at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. The opinions in this show are ours and not representative of our employers. While normally polished, occasionally we might slide off the rails and into the ditch. Forgive us for that one. This episode's brought to you by Newton's Ninja. Do you work with load cells? Pressure transducers? Newton's Ninja is a simple and nimble force verification system weighing in at less than 25 pounds. Newton's Ninja enables users to calibrate load cells in compression and tension up to 5,000 pounds of force. Each Newton Ninja's kit includes a reference load cell and a digital indicator, each with a NIST traceable certificate. Head over to newtonsninja.com, use the code ADVOCATES to get a $300 discount on any of the three sizes of Newton's Ninja kits. That's newtonsninja.com.